dis-ease. Literally means the lack of ease or ease, which is lack of wellness. Right. And so today, everybody focuses on disease and it's like, well, what disease do you have? What, what you're really saying is what lack of wellness is manifested through molecular miscommunication. Correct, yes. And, and the peptides are really working at restoring the whole, mm-hmm. restoring wellness. And that's why when I first heard you two years ago, I was like, this is incredible. It's groundbreaking. You know, conventional medicine says, hey, we, we do targeted therapy. And it's like, no, no, no. We in the integrative natural holistic field were doing mm-hmm. targeted ever before you came up with it. Mm-hmm. So don't you hijack that word. That, that, that's our word in application. Yes, yes. So. Welcome to the Practicing with Dr. Nathan Goodyear podcast. This podcast is your resource for a scientific-based discussion of all things cancer and beyond from a natural, holistic, and integrative perspective. It's time to teach the body how to heal. So here we go. So I'm super excited uh, to bring together on this podcast, actually a colleague of mine and a friend uh, by the name of John Constanzaro. Really struggle with his name, so I call him (laughs) Dr. Z or Dr. C. So uh, can can butcher it. John, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Nathan, for having me. We're here in the beautiful city of Las Vegas, got the mountains in the background, the skyline, because we're here at Las Vegas at a really international event in integrated medicine. And we're going to be talking here in just a few hours to to a group of doctors about precision personalized peptides. And so I thought it would be absolutely fantastic and relevant to bring John on the show and really talk about how this is the future of medicine, but it's actually available today in an integrated perspective. So John, again, welcome to the show. Thank you. But I think what's so interesting here is your background. So I think your background provides such a different perspective to this that I think provides the solution. So give us a little introduction to who you are and kind of where you've come from. Well, uh, I was uh, born in New York City in the Bronx and to a, a Sicilian Italian family. Uh, my family was actually in the seafood and wholesale uh, business. So we had, uh, you know, several uh, fish markets in in the Bronx. Oh, wow. <laughs> so I actually grew up around fish. So you were talking about fish earlier, so I just thought I'd bring that in there. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so a very, uh, you know, hardworking since, you know, starting when I was nine years old, right? So I uh, learned a lot about business from a young age, uh, being around my grandfather and my cousins and my uncles. And then uh, I, uh, you know, Went into uh, into the Air Force and and I spent uh, time serving our country, uh, probably for about six years uh, around sophisticated technology with aircraft at the time, and uh, also did some stints. At, I did a stint at, at Boeing, uh, so I was in the aerospace industry uh, industry for probably about eleven years before I got into medicine, and then I always had this inner urging to want to get into medicine, you know. But I wasn't really sure exactly how I wanted to do it, where I wanted to do it. And I wasn't really, you know, knowing if I should go to a traditional medical school or I should be thinking outside the box and, you know, do something different. So I wind up going to Bastyr U and uh, I wind up, uh, you know, I was accepted there. I graduated in 95 and then I jumped right into establishing a practice in 96 
And then from 1996 on, uh, the journey began, right? So uh, you, you get to realize how much you don't know <laughs> rather than what you do know. Yeah, true. And uh, <clears throat> it was a very, very uh, fascinating journey. Uh, I was challenged with, you know, probably from the first uh, three or four months into practice uh, with, with patients that had very, very uh, extensive disease uh, and and cancer it was the first presentation that came into the you know that came into our center our clinic at the time, and so I had the opportunity of seeing these uh, wonderful people who were coming in just laden with this disease, and I was just thinking, uh, you know, I, hey, we got all of these wonderful tools in our in our tool chest, but there's still something missing, uh, you know, because if you you know I was challenged from the very very beginning of practice to where. Uh, a husband brought his wife in and she was emaciated. Uh, she, she had cancer, breast cancer, head to toe. She, it metastasized everywhere. And she was probably, you know, less than 80 pounds. Um, and so he carries her in. She could barely talk. And, and he's, he asks, he says, what can you do to help my wife? And, and I just thought, with, with all the things that I learned in medical school, <laughs> it's kind of like, where do you begin? How do you start? And so that challenged me. That, that particular patient challenged me. Uh, you know, she, we, this is where this whole molecular process came from. You know, this whole peptide uh, process came from because I, I needed to really, it wasn't, she couldn't eat anything. So it was, you, you know, you can change her diet, uh, but she couldn't eat. So she can, she had to be sustained through intravenous support and and, and uh, nu uh, you know nutritional IVs, and uh, so with that, uh, I began that process of really starting to think about what, well, how can we change this picture? So you know we wind up uh, developing our first discovery by isolating the person's proteins from the urine and filtering them and then giving it back to the patient, and oddly enough the this patient began to get better. <laughs> so <laughs> it sounds kind of, it sounds kind of, you know, unrealistic, but it, you get to see the transform, transformation that occurred uh, just by using her own expressed proteins that, you know, were actually beginning to the process of, she started gaining weight. Uh, she was feeling, uh, you know, within four months, the, the picture drastically changed from a woman who was carried in to a person who was standing on her own two feet with color in her face, able to eat, and, and the disease process was, was greatly controlled. Now, this, this patient had disease everywhere, uh, in the bone, in the, in the lungs, in, the, in the, you know, the whole body. And so <clears throat> she was getting um, uh, increasingly better. And, uh, and we wind up extending this patient's life uh, by six years. Wow, I mean that's that that's, yeah. that's crazy. So I really what you were doing, you you've used this phrase, and so I wanted to use that here because I think it is very poignant and it, it really fits with that example. You were equipping, yes. you weren't stripping. So much of conventional medicine today, I would say stripping, but really destroying. But mm -hmm. and and that's really I think where the peptides come into play, as obviously that's your company and you're the CEO that you're really working in a precision-based molecular, almost a reprogramming. You're getting the miscommunication, you're yes. getting the corrupted signals to be restored. That's right, that's right. And Neo7 Bioscience was, you know, founded on, on that premise. So, uh, you know, 
then, you know, almost 23 years passed in practice, and we had a pretty good-sized cancer center uh, in, in outside of Seattle. Uh, we had, you know, quite a few physicians in, in our center, and we focused in on cancer and chronic illness. And so what winds up happening from that discovery then grew into our first phase of development. Uh, we wind up developing a team uh, and worked with uh, key labs at Dana-Farber Cancer Institute, and I was the, you know, <clears throat> originator of the team through a good colleague friend of mine, and, and he put together, you know, four other molecular scientists plus himself and me, and we began the journey from 2001 to 2014 with a new generation development. And See, that, that, that history, and that this is what cancer is desperately in need of, different, different vision, different uh, problem solving from fish from the Bronx, <laughs> from fish to Air Force, yeah. to aerospace engineering, right. to actually precision molecular reprogramming with peptides. Yeah, it's you know, awesome. You know what? It is because it does, you know, you think, okay, well, the human body is more fluid than an airplane, right? You got a lot of mechanical, right. a lot of mechanical and technology things that, you know, you, but, but here's the thing is that through that technology, uh, working with technology and exposure to that, that with my aerospace background, that really set the really set the tone, right? Mm -hmm. Because you know you wind up starting to think in terms of uh, diagnostic diagnostic flow. Uh, like if this doesn't work, then you need to do this. If that doesn't work, then you need to do that. I mean, so you have this whole rhythm that winds up happening in this you know uh, in the, in this little neural linking atmosphere here in the brain, and you start putting these pieces together. And that so that whole experience that I had there really shaped my ability to think uh, more progressively rather than just, you know, you know, you diagnose something and you use your standard traditional or, or your conventional things to to treat. Right. So right. anyway. Yeah. You came in and you, with your background, provide a completely different perspective. Yeah. And with that, you provided a very innovative precision solution. Mm -hmm. and, and it's really it's around peptides. So, you know. Peptides may be a, it's, it's a buzzword definitely today. And uh, I, I think as a buzzword, so many people don't really know what it actually means. And I would include doctors in that mm. as well. So what actually is a peptide? So that'll help to provide some context to what we're talking about here. Well, uh, as you know, uh, Nathan, I mean, peptides, you know, in medical school, we kind of get our very basic biochemistry uh, maybe have you know one a couple quarters or whatever, but you start learning that a peptide is is basically a uh, a string of amino acids, right? And um, amino acids are the building blocks of life. So in order for the m many many proteins in our body to assemble themselves appropriately, they have to have the building blocks of amino acids. So in simple, you know these amino acids are sequenced in certain arrangements to make what we call the dynamic proteins that actually control the function of our body, yeah. right? So uh, without, without those peptides, uh, the building doesn't happen, right? So it's like, now the other part of that is, is that if you have the wrong assembly of peptides, like in the disease process, if a protein is impaired somehow, then it has a structural uh, flaw uh, of the arrangement of those peptides that build that protein. So and that affects folding and thus affects function, yes, all kinds of parameters. That's right. That's right. Yep. So, yeah, it's really interesting because when you go back to medical school, you know, when we were taking biochemistry 
it was like, well, what in the world does this got to do with being a doctor? Right. <clears throat> and then when we took pharmacology, what does pharmacokinetics have to do with being a doctor? <laughs> yes. And now it's like, well, it has everything to do with it because really what we are, and that's what, that's what I love about this because biochemistry for me is I, I'm just a geek. I think a lot like you. Well, I think we're similar in that regard. <laughs> yeah, so. we, I, I tell people I, I love to get my geek on uh, <laughs> and so read studies, but we are really practicing biochemists is really what we are. Yeah. Definitely. That's a way, good, very good way to frame it because, uh, you know, if you really think about it from the standpoint of all these complex interactions in the body, you know, uh, you, you thirst. And that one thing of biochemistry that we had and that brief exposure in a survey movement, you know, we, you survey these courses and then you realize when you start getting into stuff in the development, you realize, wow, my thirst for knowledge is increasing. I actually have to know more about how this works. Yeah. And then, you know, when you're doing that, you also not only want to know how, how it works, you want to know, well, how can I use this and harvest it to be a better, you know, uh, representation of, you know, something that can, you know, dynamically help people in, in these re very resistant diseases that we're seeing, you know. Yeah. And really so. just move from the management of disease really to, yeah. To, to the healing of disease. And mm -hmm. so there's different types of peptides out there. A lot of people recognize peptides as it relates to hormones and anti-aging and longevity. So there's kind of off-the-shelf peptides. And then this is really about personalized custom peptides. So I thought it'd be really good if you could kind of really differentiate those two classes of peptides. Yeah, you know, I mean, uh, when you're really looking at this whole, uh, you know, the, the whole person and you realize that, you know, there's a lot of complex interactions that are happening in a person's body, uh, it comes down to, you know, looking for hidden things that you don't normally see, right? So traditional blood tests, for instance, only pick up uh, on things after the fact. They don't really, they're, they're demonstrating an end result of something that's been going on in a hidden environment for a long time. And so one of the one of the basic platforms of being able to come up with a, you know, a unique individualized peptide, you have to know the, the person's individual molecular expression. So that's great. That's a great point, because, you know, the the the, the non personalized peptides, the off the shelf peptides, if you will, they don't do that. It's just, you know, it's one size fits all. It's really just a re it's a revisiting of the way conventional medicine approaches yes. it. Everybody else, even if you're five foot, 220 pounds versus six foot, six, 360 pounds, mm -hmm. you're getting the same peptide. You're getting the same dose, the same delivery. Mm -hmm. But here, and this is when I first heard your presentation two years ago this month, mm -hmm. I saw it as the potential for the pivoting point, that turning point from disease management to disease healing. But to get there, you have to look underneath the hood. Yes. So describe a little bit of that process of how what you do in the lab looks underneath the hood to provide that precision-based therapy. Yeah, I mean, uh, what we do is we get uh, the, the, all of the data expressions from the patient by analyzing their blood, their urine, uh, in cancer cases, tumor tissue. We look at their expressed, uh, you know, their expressed uh, DNA signature, if you will, on every level, and then we look at every protein that the body is producing. Now the body has normal proteins and the body, you know, can also express proteins of that are abnormal and we and we and we are able to capture all of that molecular expression and then we run it through the unique uh, technology uh, platform that we uh, developed that actually will then begin what they call a prediction movement 
to demonstrate where the faulty signals lie. So we, we're looking at faulty signals that actually are the creating entities of the disease evolution. So we want to we be able to stop those faulty signals. And so the only way you're going to be able to know that is you have to, first of all, reveal the hidden, the hidden uh, aspects of things, right? And, and you can't be flying blind. Right. So otherwise you start taking pop shots at things that you think that it's hit or miss. It's kind of like, uh, you know, I think of it from the standpoint that if you know, if you've ever seen, you know, fighter aircraft uh, and they're and they're going after their targets, they're usually their, you know, their guiding systems are actually set on precision strike. And, and the only way they do that is that, you know, there's human error if you actually try to do it, you know, like the old days, the old World War II aces when they used to, you know, just do their dog fighting and try to lock in and just willy nilly, you know hit that little, you know, <clears throat> machine gun and, and, and wipe the, the other target out of the sky, right? right. Well, in the, in the fighter aircraft now, sophistication is where you just lock on target and boom, it's launched and you, you're getting rid of that, you know, that it, supposed enemy aircraft. But, but the thing is, you know, it's the same kind of thing with, with what we're doing here is that the molecular expression captures all of those hidden faulty codes. Uh, otherwise, you would never be able to see them. You know, blood tests don't, won't do it. Uh, imaging won't do it. You know, you actually have to have the ex exact expressions uh, from a molecular standpoint. And once you actually have all of that data expression of the person, then you actually have a good caricature, a good picture of what really is going on in their body. And, and this, this really applies to, you know, any named disease you can think of. Yes. But it also applies to just people that are wanting to be proactively, preventatively, you know, a management of their wellness. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it really applies to all walks mm -hmm. of wellness or not. Exactly. And you bring up a good point because we're not just, you know, you, you know, disease is basically you break it down into dis-ease, right? Yeah. Or disharmony yeah. or disarray or, you know, some kind of dysfunctional type of behavioral characteristic that's happening in the system. Uh, you know, and the body is, uh, is a multiplicity of systems trying to work in harmony together. And, you know, there's a lot of things that can upset that harmony, yep. Yep. <laughs> as you know. And so... And miscommunication's at the heart of it. Well, yeah, miscommunication <laughs> is, is, is the, it could be the very core of, you know, what's happening here. Like, if you might have overexposure to the sun, or you might be exposed to some chemical yeah. uh, that you didn't know. Maybe your industry, you're working in your industry for 25 years, and you have no idea that you, you're putting, you know, exposure to organophosphates or, or uh, uh, solvents that you work with on a day-to-day -day basis, but you have no idea how they affect your health. Yeah. Boom. The gene, everything with the molecular world records. I mean, it's kind of like your body has this like recording. It doesn't forget. Yeah. And it actually gives you the clues, to, you know, by which you can actually assist in making a change that's much more beneficial. So to your point is the aging, it's about not just disease, it's about resilience. It's about regenerative aspects. It's about, uh, you know, uh, slowing the accelerated aging uh, process, right? It's about extending life and a healthy life. And that's the, the topic, kind of general topic of this conference here in Las Vegas, and of course it's 2022, is longevity. And and I think it's really interesting because the greatest threat to longevity, and we'll talk about that here in the, in the conference here in just a couple hours, is really cancer. Everybody looks at the greatest threat to longevity as being cardiovascular disease, 
But as I'll mention this afternoon, as I mentioned before, is there was a 2019 study called the Pure Study, Prospective Urban and Rural Epidemiology Study, that looked at 21 different countries. And it was a prospective international cohort. Mm-hmm. And they, they grouped these different countries into high-income, middle-income, and low-income countries. And what they found is they found that the number one cause of death in adults now in high-income countries and even high-middle-income countries is, in fact, cancer. In fact, more than just that being the number one cause, it's twice as many mm-hmm. compared to cardiovascular mm-hmm. disease. And one of the lead authors of that basically said what we're seeing is a epidemiological transition Mm -hmm. from cardiovascular disease as a leading cause of death to cancer Mm. in high-income countries. So just we're really in a shift. Mm -hmm. And I think looking at people being well, cancer right now is the greatest threat to it. So I think from my perspective as the medical director here at Brio, and obviously related to this conference, I think cancer is a good perspective for us to discuss and take the next step here with the peptides because it's the greatest threat. And the way I use them in our practice at Brio Medical with our patients is with that transition, that pivot point from that acute treatment strategy to, to one of healing. But it really ties into the change in our understanding of cancer. Mm-hmm. One from a cancer-centric model to one of a tumor microenvironment concentric mm-hmm. model. So I think you can really touch on that really well, as I've heard you talk about how this works in that really dynamics, that front line of what's happening in the body. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, the, the, whole, the whole process of the body is, you know, uh, really geared toward you know, very intricate uh, signaling platforms, as we were discussing a little bit earlier about faulty codes or faulty signals. And when we talk about molecular influences, we also talk about what we see is what the, you know known as immunomolecular editing patterns, right? So the way the body recognizes cancer is that it has its own surveillance ability. So we call that immunosurveillance. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a high alert system and saying something is not right here and we need to do something about it. But sometimes the body doesn't actually know exactly what to do. Uh, the immune system actually will respond by uh, going into these three different phases. It's called the elimination phase, the equilibrium phase, and the escape phase. Right. These are three commonly known phases. During the elimination phase, that is the body's first posture to say something is not right. We need to get rid of this 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 entity that's causing this problem, right? And then when the body, you know, when the body's positioning itself into this balanced state. It actually is called the equilibrium, but if if the if the uh, the body systems and the immune system does they, if it doesn't continue to keep that sense of defense posture right, then the equilibrium phase can actually be a, a trouble phase because then the immune system then becomes somewhat laid back, and and the memory issue of the immune system is is that it's not responding to what something that's smoldering, it's a smoldering issue and the immune system is not catching it, right? So then it leads into what we call an escape phase. And that's the phase where, you know, you see a lot of progression of the cancer and you see more metastases and it goes from point A to point B and things like that. And you're trying to figure out, well, what do you do? What is the, what is the immune system missing? Right. What, what, what kind of signaling is there that it's allowing this escape to happen, yeah. right? 
And it, so it's really the immune system, <clears throat> and it's really that tumor microenvironment where that immune system is is ha happening and trying to do its thing. Because what happens in the cancer is that environment, it's recruiting cancer cells to that environment, but then it corrupts them. Mm -hmm. And out of that corruption, it actually can turn the immune system on the immune system, almost almost autoimmune-esque, auto if you will. Right. But then it, it, it out of that corruption of those cells, it becomes corrupt signaling, which is the miscommunication right. that we've talked about. Right, exactly. And I love this concept of the immunoediting because I think it's, again, it's, you know, we're we're a little we're some nerds here. We we get some geek on here, <laughs> but um, you know this equilibrium, also called cancer immune equilibrium, and uh, there was actually a kind of a, a sentinel study in 2007 uh, published by Kobel et al. And they they found that what what's happening there in that equilibrium phase is the immune system actually will control cancer growth, but at the same time, what it's doing is it is simultaneously sculpting, creating a pro-tumor immunogenic environment. So it's basically controlling, but setting the stage for that escape where that cancer escapes the immune system to not just lead the primary tumor, but spread all over the body. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. it's, it's, it's really fascinating. Mm -hmm. And I was, I was coming across an article that was talking about the immuno editing and it was really interesting because so many people, you know, you talk about chemo, you talk about radiation, and they say, well, I, you know, I have no evidence of disease. I'm in remission. I'm in, I'm mm -hmm. cured. What I tell people is that cure is not a scientifically validated term. You can't use that. But what they found is actually in patients that have their, the diagnosis or they're free of disease by any detectable source, they can still identify circulating disseminated tumor cells that are surviving in these cancer patients. Mm -hmm. So they're in that equilibrium phase, mm -hmm. and it may be for decades, but it's almost like it's a ticking time bomb where eventually that may escape. So the mm -hmm. point there is if somebody is in that phase mm -hmm. where they're in remission one year, three years, 10 years, 20 years, mm -hmm. these personalized custom peptides are really integral to helping them yes. to continue to heal and really get out of, and really backtrack from preventing the escape equilibrium and going back to the elimination phase. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So the peptides are really instrumental there. So yes. um, again, getting our geek on there. So, but this is really talking about you know advanced technology that's that's in the future, but now it's academic, but today. And it's applicable, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, Very this is something so. that doctors can have access today. Yeah, it's it's, it's accessible today. Um, we we've actually started working on it, as I mentioned, you know, back in two thousand one, and the and the platform has been officially engineered in two thousand beginning in two thousand nineteen. And it's a very extensive platform. It's known as precision-based immunomolecular augmentation. And so what it is, it's a it's a basically an architectural engineering platform that will take all of these molecular data points uh, that we're seeing of the person, of the individual, and then it begins the what do we call the mapping, ranking, modeling, and and high confidence selection process, right? So it's a very sophisticated multinodal platform. And it, uh, it, it actually alerts to, it has many, many segments where it alerts to the red flags and, and plots those. And then we, we get the end, the end analytic that actually gives us the full profile of what this patient is experiencing related to the diagnosis. 
And, uh, you know, we were talking a little bit about how diseases have hallmark expressions. Right. You know, cancer has its hallmark expression. Aging has its hallmark expression. Diseases have their individual hallmark expressions. And when you're actually looking at these characteristic hallmarks, you realize that there are certain type of influences in the molecular world that actually have these associated hallmark rhythms with them. Right. And, and you and I talked yesterday a little bit about, you know, there's a nor the, the body has a normal process and a normal process in itself is a hallmark expression of normal function. Right. Right. So many and, people uh, look at cancer, John, and they, they think it's like some bad Sigourney Weaver alien implant in their body. <laughs> and it's like, no, 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 it's not Aliens 32. <laughs> right. you know, what, what this is, is the this is nor you know, talking about the hallmarks. Yeah. These are normal cells. These are normal signaling that are corrupted. Yes. I mean, and but it doesn't just apply to cancer. It really applies to really any chronic disease of aging. Absolutely. You know, it's interesting because when you're looking at the cancer evolution cycle, uh, you know, the normal cell is the normal cell. It's intact. It doesn't have, it's a clean membrane. In other words, the outside membrane of the cell is going to, it's clean. It's, it's good. Right? right. Then all of a sudden it gets you know, a little bit of twist and turn battering stuff happens in the body. You get, you know, sock punched in different places. Right. And then and then all of a sudden you've got this cell that now is starting to have these little blips on the on the cell surface. And these blips are not normal. Right. So and, and maybe the cell is not going into a full cancerous rage. But what winds up happening is that you have a lot of these little blippy cells that are actually going around and they're multiplying. Right. right. So we call them transition cells. Mm -hmm. And then from a transition cell, all of a sudden, you know, these transition cells love what they're doing. So so they go into a full oncogenic cell, a fully expressed cancer cell with a deranged nucleus. Right. Right. I mean, you got DNA and DNA is supposed to give you these signals for normal function. Well, the onco, the onco cell has a deranged DNA to where it's no longer a intact double-stranded DNA. It's a single-stranded DNA that has a wiry appearance that no more intact signals for that cell. And every progeny that's developed after that is going to have the same exact signature. Yeah. So that's when you go into this real cancerous, you know, rage, so to speak. And then what a lot of people don't realize is that cancers also have the ability to go into what they call an immortalized state. Mm -hmm. So in other words, they actually are like in a suspended animation like you were just talking about yeah. earlier, right? I mean, it's like, so you think you're out of trouble, right? You got these immortalized cells in a tumor microenvironment and what they're doing is creating more trouble because you think they're not troublemakers, but they are. Just because they're immortalized and they, you think they're not doing anything, but they, they're they well, a problem. The, yeah, the, the, they're senescent, they're dormant, they're, they're, they're sitting there waiting for the opportune time. And again, our understanding of metastasis is really changing because when you look at it, it, you know, it was kind of thought as a sequential process right. where it invades, it grows, and then it spreads. But it's, it's really, there's dormant cells out there just waiting for the right opportune time to start growing and come out of that dormancy, come out of that equilibrium, because those are separate issues. So our understanding of this process is really different. Yeah. So you may be in a quote unquote remission or no evidence to disease, but that doesn't mean that you need to let your guard down because that is the opportune time where you have the best opportunity to heal. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So I want to go ahead and take a break here, hit the pause button and give the partners of our podcast here a moment to say a word about how they can partner with our listeners to help you in your healing journey.
All right. Well, welcome back, John. Again, great conversation. You, you know, yeah. you and I actually have a, a a lot in common. We we really understand that when we're focusing on the healing. What I tell people all the time, and I love how you talked about the word disease, dis literally means the lack of ease or ease, which is lack of wellness. Right. And so today, everybody focuses on disease. And it's like, well, what disease do you have? What, what you're really saying is what lack of wellness is manifested through molecular miscommunication. Correct, yes. And, and the peptides are really working at restoring the whole, mm-hmm. restoring wellness. And that's why when I first heard you two years ago, I was like, this is incredible. It's groundbreaking. You know, conventional medicine says, hey, we, we do targeted therapy. And it's like, no, no, no. We in the integrative natural and holistic field were doing mm-hmm. targeted ever before you came up with it. Mm-hmm. So don't you hijack that word. That, that, that's our word in application. Yes, yes. So, but what I wanted to do is dive into that biochemical molecular functioning, that, that field that is the future, not aerospace engineering, from, you know, from fish to aerospace engineering. Again, your background is so unique. Yeah. But it is that multiomics. Mm-hmm. You know, for our listeners on YouTube, on pot, on the uh, TikTok, kind of explain what that multiomics is, the, per, the future that is personal precision today. You know, uh, multiomics is just kind of like a fancy word for saying, you know, you, uh, maybe the, you know, people have heard the term next generation sequencing or they've heard of 23andMe, right? right? right. A lot of people have heard 23andMe and they figure, okay, well, I'm going to get my ancestry and then as a sidebar, you're going to get, you know, maybe particular identif- identified uh, gene expressions that are related to a certain type of risk factor, right? right? And, then, and then you associate that with, you know, modeling it to the disease process that you're seeing, like in cardiovascular disease or, or cancer or what have you. So when we're talking about multiomics, we're talking about a group of very sophisticated molecular analyses that actually will type a person's, you know, very, um, what we call the blueprint structure of what uh, is happening in their body. Mm-hmm. So it, it, you people, you know, the DNA sequencing, RNA sequencing, uh, pro- protein analysis, uh, uh, various type of molecular mapping, these are all part of that whole process of uh, multi-omics, yeah. right? And, and, you know, it's really interesting because, you know, through all the different social mediums and everything we, we go through, there's a lot of questions that come out and go, you know, where's the science? Right. Where, where's the academics to this? And what I tell them is, I like, this actually is foundationally research-based. Yes. It is what we do in the integrative world is actually integrating the cutting-edge science actually into real-day application. And when you look at multiomics, this is the new frontier mm-hmm. and and you see this in all the you know startup country companies mm-hmm. all of the big money investment you know bezos and and bezos excuse me and gates and and all of these you know people investing mm-hmm. billions of dollars into this field of multiomics the genomics the epigenomics the exomics the transcriptomics the proteomics 
the immunomodulomics, the metabolomics, the whatever omics. Well, yeah, you know, exactly. It's all of it. Yeah, it's it's the whole thing. The peptidomics. Uh, you know, you should yeah, be looking at We're making up there. words today. Yeah, like, <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, it's like if you if you look at it right, you have these sophisticated technologies, and then and what happens is uh, they're in the institutions, right? So. Uh, like, for instance, you know, there's so many different universities in the, in the United States that are doing a lot of uh, molecular science, and you've got a lot of universities in you know, other countries that are doing molecular science. So, so this technology that's happening right now, it's, it's an explosion, right? It's right. a technology explosion. But here's the thing is, is that it's all application with no solution-driven uh, movement. Right. So, uh, so you can have this wonderful technology with application, and it stays in the institution, but it doesn't come out here right. for use for the common use for you know make uh, having some influence on how to change the person's health picture right, right for the better. Right. So yeah. What I tell people that healing is a daily process. You know, yeah. I can remember reading an article where they had this couple that had been married sixty-one years, and they were asking this couple, "Well, well how did you get here?" Mm -hmm. And, you know, one of the things as I was reading that interview, they didn't say, well, we just woke up one day and we were here. <laughs> they both uh -huh. said in their own way that every day we woke up committing to this relationship. Mm -hmm. So in essence, when you look at healing, it's the same process. A healthy lifestyle is the best preventative strategy for chronic diseases of aging. But it's not something you just wake up one day and you're 92 and you've lived a healthy life. Mm -hmm. It's something that you commit to every day. Mm -hmm. You have some good days and you have some bad days. We're in Las Vegas, so there might be some people here in Las Vegas mm -hmm. having some bad days and bad nights. <laughs> I saw a couple coming in this morning at six o'clock. I walked down yeah. and uh, his wife was, I think, holding him erect because he was not going to be making it on his own. Uh, no, <laughs> so, absolutely not. And so they had had a long night, it, yeah. not a productive evening. Right, and they didn't have a bag. They didn't have a sack of cash under their arm either. Probably no, they didn't have any. So it looked like they had they had spent it all. Yeah, but so, so but you know, one of the things that you know a lot of people ask about that we get in social media is, but I'm in remission. Right. And I tell them, well, look, there's actually research that shows that even people that are a couple decades, so over 20 years, in a clinical arena where there's no visible evidence of disease, whether that be imaging, whether that be labs, whether that be, you know, examination, yet they still can detect circulating, disseminating tumor cells in the body, not fragments, but whole cells. Yeah. So that's where this applies. Because even if somebody with cancer mm -hmm. is sitting there and go, but I, I'm 10 years in remission, mm -hmm. why do I need to do anything? Mm -hmm. The peptides really allow them to gain the reins Absolutely. And, and commit to that healthy lifestyle mm -hmm. and really take the opportunity of where they are mm -hmm. to actually reverse that, what we talked about early, which is that immunoediting of elimination, equilibrium phase to escape and actually reverse that mm -hmm. and almost take aging and reverse it back to oh, healthy lifestyle. Yes, and there's that connection between the cancer uh, and, you know, the aging cycles too. So, you know, you have, uh, we learn a lot, we've learned, we're learning a lot about cancer. And as you mentioned early on, I mean, the, the actual number of cases that are happening uh, all over the world with cancer, the, the uptick of, of, of the number of cases is just, uh, it's, it, 
it's terrible yeah. uh, to see, right? And then in 2020, you know, even higher spikes uh, of, of cancer incidences that are occurring. So really, we, we don't want to focus in on the disease process. We want to focus in on the central core, what's going to get a person and have them stay, you know, healthy and stay well. Right. But, but, you know, the cancer and the disease process, is, it's kind of like a deterrent to that. And, you, you know, you could do all of these wonderful resilience therapies, which are great, and you can really focus in on the longevity. But if you're not focusing in on what's really happening in the hidden world, where, you, where, the, where the molecular signaling happens, then you're at a disadvantage because you really don't know exactly what switches are being toggled. Where are the trouble codes? Where are the things that we really need to be focusing in on? Because there are faulty signals in the body. And if they persist in, a, in that hidden environment, you'll never know. Yeah, right. I, I think that's a good point so, because you know we're focusing in on actual biochemistry and physiologic processes. Mm -hmm. So within, for example, with cancer, in that tumor microenvironment, what you're seeing is all of these normal, healthy immune cells, you know, macrophages, dendritic cells, neutrophils, mm -hmm. fibroblasts, all of these normal cells. People, so people go, well, where's the science? It's like, this is evidence-based at its foundational uh, yeah, level. Yes, yes. And that's where these peptides really allow us to take that under the hood approach right to that battlefront, mm -hmm. which is the tumor microenvironment, not just to those corrupted cells where those immune cells are recruited and then corrupted and the signaling corrupted, mm -hmm. but actually restore that, almost come in and and almost negotiate a peace treaty, if you will, yeah, that's at, the the site, at the site of battle. Yes. And, and the peptides yes. really allow that collection of data, looking under the hood, and allow you to apply that in the clinical practice. So in closing, what I'd like to touch on is, is how, doc, how are doctors implementing this data collection actually into evidence-based application for, for patients of all varieties out there? Yeah, I mean, uh, again, a, a solution-driven uh, movement, instead of just having a, a bunch of knowledge and you have a lot of what they call applications with no solutions, uh, this whole process then allows for what we call a programming or a reprogramming solution. It's kind of like, you know, people who are in the computer science uh, world, you know, they'll write programs or patch programs or and a lot of these AI platforms now that are out there they are doing this and they're starting to, you know, thinking, you know, AI platforms are creating AI platforms. It's mm -hmm. kind of like very interesting to talk about geeking out. Here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, it's like, here's the thing is that th this programming, reprogramming event, these events that actually happen in the body are very real. So when you actually have this molecular analysis done and you got that and you actually have the the actual what we call the the fingerprint of what you what is happening in the body then you're able to you know create those polypeptide programming patches right. that come in and repair those faulty signal codes those dysfunctional entities that are creating the disarray or the disorder in the body right yeah. so then so the design itself is a is a pooled uh, type of uh, formulation of you, the unique expressed polypeptide structures uh, that are engineered specifically for the patient and then manufactured and delivered back to the patient. 
this is so nerdy because it, it, it's really, it, it's taking that academic form of medicine that so many people hear about these startup companies mm -hmm. as it approaches, you know, working in longevity and working in, you know, disease prevention and these kind of areas. But what you've done here with Neo7 is you're really taking that and saying, look, you can use this in conjunction with any conventional or integrative therapy yes. that you want. This is not a standalone, it can be, but this doesn't mean you have to throw any or other therapies aside. So mm -hmm. if, if a person is approaching cancer and they said, you know, I want chemo full dose, I want radiation full dose, I want surgery, I want the full conventional approach versus people that come in and say, I want the integrative approach. Mm -hmm. I want a strategy that recognizes there's some benefits over here, but I want yeah. really a more natural holistic. Mm -hmm. When you look at all those different modalities of treatments that are available, and I've talked about them, high dose vitamin C, curcumin, hyperthermia, the controversial IPT, mm -hmm. this fits right in with all of them. Mm -hmm. Very much so. I mean, when you think about it, um, you know, we talked about equipping and not stripping, yeah. right? So, I mean, it's kind of like a little buzz phrase, but. But the thing is, is that, uh, you know, with the process of, um, you know, this polypeptide hub strategy that's uniquely designed to the patient, then that, that's going to help the, the, the clinician or the, the physician to be much more strategic in their, in their selections because along with this, you, you actually start to begin to realize that some of the things that you've been employing may not necessarily, they should have been, you should have been taking preference to some other modality or some other treatment form because it would have been a lot more effective. So it really helps you to strategically choose a priority regimen that will really work dynamically uh, and enhance, the, even enhance that, you know, that type of treatment that, you know, that other treatment, whether it's a, an IPT or whether it's high a vitamin C intravenously or, or, or if you're going to use, you know, um, HBOT, which, you know, yeah, it, hyperbaric, oxygen. hyperbaric oxygen, right? right. Or are you going to use, you know, if you're going to use uh, intravenous uh, support, uh, nutritional support or whatever, you'll be able to strategically choose these in a better, in a better priority. Right. And that's what this hub strategy does. It provides the polypeptide programming or reprogramming and it and assists in helping with the better rotation, right. a better rotation of treatment modalities that are more, uh, I would say, uh, I, I would say more enhancing to, to the cause, right. basically, right? So it's very, very central core. And I think yeah. that, that, again, that phrase, equip, not strip. Absolutely. Because when you look at full-dose chemo, and the research is very clear that you know, what, what's happening there is you'll, you'll knock those tumors down. You'll kill a lot of tumor cells, but they've been able to show that it also really destroys lymphocytes. Mm -hmm. But really what's fascinating about that in, in mice and animal research is that the cancer cells will start to recover growth capacity in about seven days. Mm -hmm. But those lymphocytes, longer than 30 days, yeah. they are still suppressed. So what happens in that is you end up in with this chronic immunosuppressive state. Mm -hmm. And so this strategy allows us really to work within that context or even work within the context of you know, low-dose insulin potentiated chemotherapy, which is much more immunomodulatory. So this treatment strategy, I think, is brilliant. Again, 
the concept of fish to aerospace engineering to personalized precision-based you know, peptides is one that really can meet any patient mm -hmm. with cancer or any disease, whatever approach, whatever hub treatment modalities that they're using. So yes, yes. I've enjoyed the conversation, John. I look Thank forward you. to uh, I enjoyed uh, it as well. Talking here yeah. at the conference here in just a little bit. So I look forward yeah. to seeing what kind of questions uh, that we have there at the uh, conference here at lunch. So yeah. thank you for everybody joining us on TikTok and YouTube. I hope you've enjoyed this, this basically look behind the scenes about some really exciting stuff that you're probably gonna be hearing more about and that you can actually take to your doctor and actually incorporate into your wellness journey or your restoration of wellness, whatever quote unquote disease you may be dealing with. Y'all take care and have a great weekend. For more information, just like what we discussed today, I encourage you to follow us on YouTube as well as all of your favorite audio streaming platforms. And in there, we'll talk about all things related to healing, wellness, cancer, and much, much beyond because it doesn't just apply to cancer. Our goal here is to turn to healing, restore health, and promote your wellness. Whether that greatest obstacle to wellness being cancer or any other named disease, our goal is your wellness. I'm Dr. Nathan Goodyear, and enjoy our future podcast at Practicing with Dr. Goodyear.